Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hi everyone, welcome to our latest episode of Anthropotamus. We're here with Dr. Maisha Babers, instructor of Africana Studies at Texas A&M University, whose research includes race, masculinity, uh, performance, folklore, and much more. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So we're going to be discussing her recent article that just came out, Cowboy Cool, A Professional Black Cowboy's Perspective. Um, Before we get into that, can you tell us a bit about your background and what led you to this research into the cowboy culture? Uh, Sure. Okay. So I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, which is, I think it's the fourth largest city in the country. But it's also, it has a very, um, in some parts of the city, it has a, a rural kind of feel to it. So where I grew up, it was common to see people riding horses on the street. Um, there were people who had chickens in their backyard, like you would hear these roosters. But like we're in the middle of the city. And so when I got to college, this is where the, the race part came in. Um, and I'm, I'm taking race and ethnic studies and sociology and um, these theories about race uh, that I'm reading, they don't really align with like my experience of what it means to be black and then how the cowboys uh, came in. I, when I got to grad school, I decided, you know, I was like, okay, I'll do a, a gender focus, black masculinities, but I needed to find a cultural group. And so for me, it just, it made sense to just go back home, right, to my roots where on my way to school, it was common to see um, black people, black boys and men riding horses on the street, like next to the cars on my way to school. And um, for me, the first cowboy I ever saw, right, was a black man, um, not the typical representations that you get on TV, right, the popular cultural representations. So I decided that um, I I would make that my focus. I mentioned before in our episodes, I'm a bioanth person uh, with little experience in cultural anthropology, but this particular subject is really very new to me. Um, you know, when I think of cowboy, I think of old white guy. Um, and growing up in a, you know, public education system, there's very little black history um, involved. Um, with that being said, can you tell our listeners, especially people like me, <laughs> a little bit about the history um, regarding cowboys? And and you mentioned in the article, you know, the Mexican vaqueros and, you know, buffalo soldiers. But how does, how is, you know, part of black history rooted in the cowboy culture? Oh, okay. So, like I said, growing up in, in Houston, and I went to uh, school in Houston Independent School District, very large school district. I think the largest school district in in the state of Texas. Um, and the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo plays a, a prominent role in the way that we like organize our social life, our calendar year. And so rodeo season is upon us. Um, it starts in February. And so part of that was like a Go Texan Day, right? So Go Texan Day, all the students in the school district in, in the state are encouraged to dress up like cowboys and cowgirls. And this is like regardless of race or gender, right? So this is part of our socialization into 
what it means to be Texan, right? And so this, as it played a significant role in, in my socialization, right? So my blackness and focus on race, like kind of adds, adds depth to what was missing, right? I wasn't making these connections um, early on. It was just about dressing up, performing, you know, being Texan and, and celebrating this Texan history and heritage. Um, and as I, as I got older, like I noticed that even with the, the, um, the schedule of the rodeo, only one day is dedicated to celebrating the uh, Mexican cowboy, the vaquero history. And one day is given to um, celebrate or highlight the black cowboy history. And it's, um, I think it's called the, the Black Heritage Day. Mind you, this rodeo um, event, I think it's three weeks, right? It lasts three weeks long, but only one day out of these three, three or four weeks is dedicated to celebrating the Mexican vaqueros and the black cowboys. Um, um, I don't, the way that I approach um, black history and black Western history or cowboy history and cowboy culture is not one that like where blackness, black history, cowboy, black Western history comes before, I mean, or comes after, sorry. It, it's a part of, right? And so this is and goes into like the definitions. What does it mean to be a cowboy? Which is uh, defined by notions of work and labor, right? And so what were the cowboys do? Like, what do cowboys do? They're the ones that are like tending to the animals, um, the cows, they're um, breaking horses. Um, in terms of uh, farming and ranching, like they're doing all that work. Well, you know, what, what were black folks doing during slavery, they were the ones doing this work. And so before the term cowboy was invented, black folks were doing that labor. And there's even the story about where the term comes from. And, and this story is published, there's a citation somewhere um, that, you know, when a, a white man would call to um, a black man, you know, boy is a, um, a derogatory term, right? And so you say, hey, boy, go get that cow or something to that effect, right? And so, you know, they're in the creation of the term cowboy. And once this sort of like pastime of creating games during downtime on the farms or the ranches like came about and they started making their way into like formalized events like rodeos, um, some would say that's when white folks intervened and, and took it on as their own, right? Um, and even then, so that's like the between black and white, but then you have folks who are like, well, you can't forget about um, specifically with regard to Texas, like those, um, the Mexicans that were here also, like the Spanish brought some slaves with them to the United States and, you know, the settling of Texas. Um, there's a lot of um, Afro-Mexican vaqueros and the way that we write about them in history, it, you know, completely leaves out um, that sort of part of these uh, vaquero identities, right? So, you know, so you have the, the Mexican vaqueros who, when we tell these stories, we like, we leave out the um, the presence of 
African ancestry in that community, and also among the Native Americans, are, um, Cherokee Bill in the literature is often cited as a black cowboy, but he's black and Native American. And so the way that we talk about race kind of obscures blackness in this larger narrative about um, the the cowboy, right? Um, when it's presented in popular cultures like cowboys and Indians or um, stories like that, or representations like that. So, okay. Um, I'll just move on to the next question then, unless, unless you have a question well, before I move on. I think that uh, there's something that I wanted to kind of, I want to poke the elephant in the room, if you will. Well, I, I am a, a straight white male who grew up in the city. I have country roots in my family. My dad grew up doing rodeo as well. And in your article, you specifically address cultural appropriation, which I think is something that's been on people's minds pretty heavily, uh, especially over the last you know decade. You know, what, why does it make so many white people angry that you have a black man going into rodeo or doing something like country culture related? It, it matters because representation. Representation will, will always matter when you're trying to um, silence people, when you're trying to erase their presence, right? Um, in, my, in my intro to Africana Studies class, I go through every year of the U.S. Census as a demonstration of the different ways that Black people have um, been listed as, like, the, the category of race for Black people has been listed in the census. And we look at how that, that label changes um, through time. And the, the question is, what's in a name, right? And the importance of naming draws boundaries around who belongs, who does not belong, who's included, and who is excluded. Um, and so with regards to the cowboy and the dominant representation of the cowboy as white man, and specifically um, cisgender, heterosexual white man, um, it's, it's a figure, it's an iconographic figure that's used to represent an American identity, but also an American masculinity, right? And so you couple that with um, racism and sexism, then... I think we can start to come to some some understanding about you know why it why it matters to have um, to have representation um, by one group and not another, but specifically why it makes white men mad. That's a question you would have to ask those men. You would have to ask those white cowboys why why they're mad. Uh, again, to poke the elephant in the room. Um, I'm asking, why are you guys so angry? Why are you guys so angry? Um, I, like I said, I grew up in the city in California, so I. I, <laughs> I yeah. think your California background though is Maybe. kind of blinding you to there. Yeah, it, it could <laughs> be. It could be. It could be. You're um, a little too liberal for that question. <laughs> you know that might be true. That might be true. I, I don't know. I. So then what does but, um, that mean to you, though? Is there, like, some connection to, well, to like, freedom? Like, what, what kind of themes does that present? You hit the nail right on the head. It's a, it's a connection to freedom. Uh, growing up, I, I watched a lot of cowboy movies with my, with my grandmother, and that was a time that I spent away from the rest of my family. And it was just kind of a, um, these are the depictions of the people that, um, that are independent, they're strong, they're defying the rules, right? They're doing things their own way. 
And I honestly thought that was um, just something impactful. Yet now imagine with the history of this country, the racial history of this country, all of those words applied to black people. And in, in this racial project of maintaining, establishing and maintaining um, a racialized hierarchy um, where white is at the top and black is at the bottom, right? Now we're talking about power. Um, can you see... Yeah. Can you see why it might might cause um, oh, white men to be fearful or or be angry about the kind of threat that um, a black man, just as a cowboy that is supposed to represent an American identity, um, operating in in that kind of truth, where we're talking about freedom, mobility. So towards the end of your article, you discuss both Beyonce and Little Nas X's infiltration to country music would you say that little nas received greater backlash than beyonce and if so would you say that maybe due to the fact that he's male and so beyonce seemed less as a threat yes absolutely so little nas x as a black man um poses a similar the similar threat that like we've described right um piggybacking on on the last point beyonce Less so, one, because she's a woman, um, and just generally in in this space, like, women aren't taken, not as threats, but also aren't even, aren't taken seriously, right? Um, even in, in the history of country music, um, the songs of black women were stolen by um, white male country artists, right? So I'm talking, speaking of uh, Big Mama Thornton's Hound Dog, right? Everybody yeah. hears the name of that song, or they hear that song, and they think of Elvis Presley. Is this, yep. new, this new news? No, this no, is no. not new news. <laughs> not not out here anyway. Yeah, so so there's that, right? Um, it's you know popular culture, and not even just cultural <laughs> appropriation, but stealing stealing the work of not just black people but black women um, is is something that is done regularly, right? Um. So jumping to question four, you introduce what it means to be cool and how it varies among different black men. Can you give us some examples of the differences and similarities of what cool means to black cowboys versus non-cowboys? Oh, what does it mean to be cool among that's actually a really good question. I think so. When I'm thinking about the concept of cool, it's more or less like it's it's more um, connected to like an aesthetic, a temperament, behavioral behavioral comportment, um, and it's more so like attached to what it means to be black or like black mm-hmm. experience, and so that's where the concept of cool becomes like how do black cowboys um use this concept to navigate the predominantly white western world mm-hmm. and so by 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 being black they black men make the cowboy cool <laughs> so you would say that essentially the aesthetic is the same they're just displaying it in a different environment. Correct. Okay. Um, You also mentioned that black cowboys do not usually receive the capital needed to increase their mainstream visibility. 
Can you explain exactly what the traditional or capital traditionally comes from and what it's needed for? Yeah, so um, comes from endorsements, um, sponsorship, right? It's expensive to just even own a horse for pleasure, right? So now mm-hmm. you think if you're thinking about um, pleasure riding or even being um, an athlete, right, a professional competitive athlete, um, you have to board the horse, maintain this horse, pay for training, there's therapies, right? Um, a horse has to be like in in a similar shape as any other professional athlete, you know, just the rider. So um, the history of African-Americans in, in upward mobility, economic upward mobility in this country has kind of blocked a lot of people um, out of participating in, in this sport. So... I'm assuming people who get sponsorships, I would assume it'd be things from like Wranglers or I don't know, I don't know nothing about country culture. I'm I'm a city girl. Um, boot porn. <laughs> boot porn. <laughs> you know, whatever boots whatever boots you have on now, maybe like that brand's probably sponsoring um some cowboys or even or even like the ranch companies. Yeah, but also the um the companies that make those the equipment. Uh, I don't know what. That was like an easy word. The equipment <laughs> for doing this kind of like uh, ranching, farming and ranching labor. Um, but also like some of this is gen- generational wealth, right? Um, these yeah. rodeo cowboys, like this this type of um, this participation in Western culture is generational. Um, Passed mm-hmm. down from you know father to son, um, but there's also the the FFAs. Um, some schools, right? Some schools have, I think, um, rodeoing as as like an extracurricular activity. It's not like equine sports is an extracurricular activity. That would be amazing. I want to go to that high school. Not where I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, like, there's the money. The money involved in participating in this sport, like, is it presents the same, similar, same challenge for Black kids to enter into this space mm-hmm. as as it does for like other sport, like um, what are the equally expensive sports like golf? Um, yeah, so it costs a lot of money. It's not something that you can just like you know run home and be like, hey, mom, you know, I I want to play. You know, I want to join the basketball team or the football team. I just need you to pay for my uniform, right? We're talking about taking care of a horse. A a good basis of, you know, kind of comparing how much it costs to just take care of the horse. And we're not even talking about, like, participating in, for professional cowboys, right? We're not even talking about paying the dues to be a professional membership and then paying for each event that you compete in. Then you have to pay for the travel, so that's gas. They don't pay you for travel. You have to pay for boarding the horse. Um, gosh, like those expenses, those like little expenses, they add up. I will say this. I will say this. So, so what it means to be cool, right? Going back to the earlier statement, it varies from for different black men, right? And so, when I say that black cowboys performing a coolness and 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 that's um, like a strategy or a, a tactic for navigating predominantly white spaces um, that same that same person that same cool black cowboy could also be um, seen as not cool 
if his performance isn't legible, right? If it doesn't make sense outside of the like inappropriate context. We know that when you go to let's say a classical music con a concert or something like that, like an orchestra or maybe even an opera, um, you don't attempt to sing along with the opera singer, right? That's not that's not cool. That's not okay, right? But if you go to let's say an R and B or rap concert, like it's okay to sing along if you know the words or to rap the lyrics. It's usually encouraged. Right, right. Um, and so the coolness also, because of um, this, what I'm saying is part of a, a black cultural aesthetic, a black aesthetic, it helps also lighten what, what may be read as like racial tensions in a room, right? Um, doing something that, doing something or saying something or um, behaving in a way that kind of puts white folks guard down and that serves like a it serves like two purposes right um lowering this guard or this apprehension like what are you doing here this kind of you don't belong but also kind of making the space safe for that particular black cowboy right because like you said you have all these like white men who are angry about mm -hmm. black folks taking up what is a predominantly white space um, that could become dangerous, right? When you have yeah. a, a bunch of white folks angry at a black person, right? Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that example used in your article uh, with Big Reach keeping the price tag on his hat would be an example of that? Uh, not in that context. <laughs> I mean, I know he purposely did it to return the hat, but at the same time, it kind of lightened things, it seemed. It does. It, it did. It does. Right. Um, he. Uh, it's kind of a power move. It is. I remember every time it comes up, like I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, so no, actually, I'm interested in hearing more. You say it's like a power move. It, it felt a lot like a power move like if you take the context from your perspective it um you can tell exactly what he's doing but just considering it from an outside perspective all these people who are pointing out hey you still have your tag on this that and all these other things um and then they zoom in on it and everybody sees all right this is an expensive hat it's like from an outside perspective you don't know that he's going to return it it's just a, hey, I have this, I can afford this, I don't care that you see the tag, right? So it, it feels like a very, very much like a, I am in this space and... I can afford to be here. I can afford to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I think a better example was, and I don't even know if it's in this article, is where he wears um, a female cowboy hat. It's kind of like, you know, the cowboy has this standard uniform. Mm-hmm. But then here you have this black cowboy who wears the like these these jeans these fancy jeans, right? But then he's also like wearing this female or, or woman's cowboy hat because he likes the hat, right? We, yeah, you yeah. know, gender aside, he's like I like this hat, so I'm gonna wear this, and it's my hat. I bought it. I'm gonna wear this hat. And you know, you have the the cowboys like what the white cowboys who are just looking like 
you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and at the same time, they don't want him to do it right either. <laughs> they, oh, that was poetic. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that that would be more like a, a better example. Because even so, in but in both of these examples in these instances, whether it's like the woman's cowboy hat or leaving the tag on the hat, what you have is a distraction from his blackness, right? He's deviating from the standard uniform, and that's what that's what has people's attention. It shows confidence and assurity, too. Yeah. You have to be secure to, to be able to do that and walk in that situation confidently with all these hyper-masculine white guys who are just, you know, definitely going to be upset in the first place. And then it's just like, it's disarming. It's like, well... You know, what What can you really say? Like, obviously he did it, so. But think about it this way, though. Because this particular um, cowboy who I'm kind of profiling in, in this article, he's one of the best. Oh, yeah. Right? And so even if he didn't do all of that, but at the end of the day after he competes and he's won and he's walking away with this big check, they're not going to be happy. Of course not. But he's got the skills to, to take that check home and happy or not. I mean. So either way, it's undeniable. So oh, yeah. if if I'm undeniably the best, whether I'm like ruffling feathers because I'm deviating from the standard, you know, cowboy uniform or I'm within I'm within the guidelines of what the cowboy is supposed to look like and behave, you know, the way I'm supposed to behave and I'm. And he's not really a very loud or like boisterous person. Um, it's, you know, you see him because of the way he dresses. Like you see, you know, one thing, one of these things is not like the other, and it's not because of his skin color. Um, like barring all of that, his skills are undeniable. So he's gonna walk away with first place, and people are still gonna be mad. So if you know, damned if you do, and damned if you don't. Yep. If they're gonna be mad either way. Do it your way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, Frank, Frank Sinatra. Once again, we're here with Dr. Maisha Babers talking about her recent article, Cowboy Cool. Thank you again for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. And if you are looking for any book recommendations or our past episodes, you can visit us on our website at www.anthropotamus.com. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.